Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Grains Clean Beauty School. I'm your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today we are taking a deep dive into the world of beauty supplements and what a confusing world it is. It's a longer episode and honestly we cover a wide range of topics quite thoroughly throughout, so I'm not going to say too much up front except for this. The intersection of dietary needs and skin health is a complicated one, with much we are still learning. It seems every day someone comes out with new data or new trends on the best nutrients to consume for glowing skin. So that is why it's really, really important to find experts you trust who have rigorous standards and heaps of patience. You want to find people who are willing to wait out the research until conclusions become more clear and those who are eager to put into the work dissecting study after study before they draw their own conclusions. Well, that is Mind Body Greens Director of Scientific Affairs, Ashley Jordan Fiera, 2AT. She is a registered dietitian and she has her doctorate in foods and nutrition. So today she joins us to help us understand how we can most effectively take care of our skin from the inside out. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm so excited to chat with you about beauty supplements and, you know, our supplements here at MindBodyGreen and just chat about uh, internal nutrition and health in general. But before we get into that, I want our listeners to be able to get to know you a little bit better. You know, I, I'm sure many of my listeners also listened to Jason's podcast and I know that you have been a guest on that. And if they read our site, I'm sure they've seen your name pop up several times. So our listeners may kind of know who you are, but I would love if, you know, you could just explain your story a little bit more so that way they can get to know you better over the course of this conversation. You know, what is your background? What's your role at Mind Body Green? And how did you get interested in nutrition and health in general? Well, I would love to officially say hi to the Clean Beauty School and Mind Body Green family. It's, you know, I've been a fan of Mind Body Green for a decade. So I'm very excited to have joined the team officially last year. And my title is Director of Scientific Affairs. That encompasses a wide range of things from, you know, getting to write sometimes, not as prolific as Alex here, but getting to write and contribute, getting to do expert reviews of of content on the site. We always go for, as you guys know, you know, reputable science backed, but super digestible and enjoyable to read. I, I contribute there, but the bulk of my work is in product innovation and development, specifically for nutritional products that MindBodyGreen, you know, is, is proud to have launched a wonderful line of supplements in 2020. And in terms of the innovation pipeline, keeping the pulse on what is, what is new and, and maybe what is new and needs to bake a little longer in the science oven or, mm-hmm. or, or what's ready for prime time. But ultimately, I'm helping create science-backed premium nutritional products for the Mind Body Green family in very close collaboration with other scientists and nutritionists and Jason and Colin. And then I also work on the side of ensuring those products have the utmost quality. So regulatory and quality are under my purview as well. This involves liaising with our ingredient suppliers and manufacturers from, you know, 
from literally choosing the raw material all the way to the tests at the end before we would, you know, let our customers receive the products in a shipment. So I, I see all of that life cycle and care deeply about every granular step. So my, my background is I, I have an undergrad in, it was called at, at University of Pennsylvania at Penn, it was called Biological Basis of Behavior. This cool major combined, it was very much pre-med major, but it combined biology, neuroscience, and psychology into one major. And my freshman year, I took an intro to nutrition course in the nursing school at Penn, and I changed my plan to become a doctor and really thought, wow, the preventative wellness, you know, longevity aspect of nutrition is critical. And as I've learned, having been in the industry and worked worked as a clinical RD as well. I've seen both sides of the coin. You know, our healthcare system has some opportunities for improvement in terms of personalized healthcare and and, and nutrition. That's certainly true. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've all been the patient or an advocate for a patient. So I I think it was the right move that I, I have many friends who are doctors, but I think it was the right move that I didn't become a medical doctor because I would like the system to catch up a bit and and hopefully one day, you know, dietitians will be integral in not just hospital settings, in, in, but, you know, in private practices, they'd be able to be called on, called up on as to use their expertise widely because nutrition is just pivotal. So after undergrad, I went and continued my studies at the University of Georgia and received my PhD there in nutrition. And so my research has spanned weight management, bone health, and vitamin D was the focus area of my doctoral dissertation research. And then my career, I just honestly from Georgia, I knew I wanted to apply the critical thinking and deep dive nutrition expertise in a way that was helpful and impactful to folks. And I I, I wanted to translate nerdy science into helpful things sure. <laughs> at, the, at the baseline. And so what that ended up looking like was I was able to, the helpful things were nutritional products, specifically supplements and communications. So, so writing and, and those are my two loves, creating products that help folks and creating communications that also uh, assist people in understanding nutrition and medicine and healthcare and wellness and their journey. So that well, is- I'm biased, but I think you're good at both of those things, but- <laughs> That's good since I love them both. <laughs> Great. Well, you have such a, a, a incredible background. And it really just applies so well to what you do at Mind Body Green. And we're so lucky to have you in your roles. And, you know, I get to work closely with you on the beauty supplements. And speaking of beauty, this is obviously a beauty podcast. And so I, I'm, I'm so interested in your background in nutrition, but I'm also just interested in your background in beauty and your relationship with beauty. I think that we all have different journeys and skincare and hair care and beauty and body care. And I'm, I'm curious to know yours. Beauty is a deeply personal thing. And it's, it's, I always say everything is skincare. And so, you know, everything that we do in our daily lives shows up on our skin and it's so, you know, it's, it's a deeply personal thing. And I'm, I'm curious your relationship with beauty, your journey with beauty, if you'd like to share just so our, our, our listeners can understand your, your journey there as well. 
I think this is a fascinating question and one I've never been asked to speak about or write about. So I'll, I'll just, you know, speak from the heart. But I guess if I think if I think of my journey with beauty and skin, of course, predominates on the, the beauty side when we think about that. It's probably in three stages. So like teen years, 20s, and, and now in my 30s. So in teen years, I, and I don't even know why this was the case, but like, I just wasn't interested in makeup, even throughout, even throughout like college and grad school. I was a bit of a late bloomer, found the, found the makeup aisle. You know, Alex, you probably find the makeup aisle to be as enjoyable as I find the supplement aisle. Probably. Um, <laughs> whereas most people find the supplement aisle to be a labyrinth. I've heard people describe it to me. That's how I feel in, in the makeup <laughs> aisle. But um, anyways, you know, less is more, even as a teen, and that, that's still my philosophy now. So I, I really didn't get into makeup until, you know, maybe my 20s and 30s. But Acne, I had, I'd say a normal amount for a teenager. It wasn't really impacting my quality of life. You know, I remember this will age me, but this is when you w walk through the malls and Proactive had their kiosk. <laughs> you could pick your force. If that steps. ages you, well, then I'm being aged as well because I remember that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Age is wisdom. We will be sage and older. <laughs> so, you know, Proactive that that cut it for me. So, you know, my issues were not too complex. And then in my 20s, so I, it was actually the smack dab in the middle of grad school. And I can't say it was due to the stress of my PhD studies or anything specifically. I really just think the a hormonal milieu of just maybe what my genes turned on or how I made, sure. I, like, I don't know. But I, I started having major issues with cystic acne, microcystic acne. And at University of Georgia, you know, they have great healthcare system there. And I was in the middle of my study. So I like, I hadn't entered the world to learn about integrative or functional nutrition or medicine or anything like that. So this is all coming from a very conventional, traditional, dare I say, reactive, you know, point of view. So mm. the listeners might be able to relate, but anything from goodness, they would have started me on like a broad antibiotic, broad spectrum antibiotic, like Bactrim, which wiped out yeah. my gut, which we now know is yeah. detrimental to overall health, including the skin. Antibiotic for like two years in high school. And I look back at that and I, for, for skin reasons, for acne reasons, and right. I look back on that and I'm just, I, I, I'm in horror. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, it's so funny because I remember when I was on this and it was at least for a year and then there was a blood drive and I wanted to be a part of this blood drive on campus and they asked your medications. And because I had been in, on Bactrim, I think it was like in, in the past six months or a year that they were not interested in your blood. And, and I thought, hmm, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be on this, but <laughs> like not to knock antibiotics, which are obviously life-saving medical tools in, in certain scenarios, but you know, not the most sensitive approach for for acne. They also tried, I don't know, a variety of gels or topicals that I don't remember the names of. And then spironolactone was in the mix. Mm -hmm. I ended up like, I think, fainting on that. The, the fluid balance is really critical. And then and then the big one, Accutane, was, yeah, wow. was yeah. brought in. You know, I was 
I was very tentative about that. I, I only lasted three months on Accutane and I broke out into, I mean, it looked like hives, but they actually biopsied my calf and, and it came back erythem multiform, which is, you know, not hives, but basically my body was like enough, stop. And mm -hmm. so, and so that was the red light there. The, the next step was trying, I, I want to say four or five different birth control regimens, you know, oral contraceptives. And I landed on, I, I think it was like Ocella is, I'm not sure if that's the brand name or the generic, but I ended up on, on that for a decade. I will back up to then in my late twenties, I had probably the most significant skin manifestation and just totally decimated my quality of life. So I was living in LA at the time and I was, I was actually misdiagnosed by the chief of neurology at a hospital in LA. My, my hands were shaking as it was what I came in for. Okay. I had like shaky hands mm -hmm. and they ran a battery of tests and labs. And the chief of neurology said I had essential tremors, but yeah. it, it was not essential tremors, which is a neurological diagnosis. And a year later, like I, I describe it as the floodgates broke loose and I had every symptom of Graves disease. And so thankfully, an endocrinologist in Orange County, a wonderful Russian woman, she I mean, it took a lot for her. I come in there saying, here's my records. I have essential tremors per the chief of neurology at X hospital. And she's like, I don't think you have that at all. And had she not dug deeper, I mean, it really could have been too little too late. And I mean, it kind of was, it was so late that she said my, my, my TSH level was the lowest she had ever seen. It was undetectable 0.00. My T3, T4 were the highest she had ever seen in her practice. And it was basically considered emergent. Ultimately, I ended up having to have a total thyroidectomy in La Jolla at Scripps Medical Center, which I can only speak extremely highly of them. But that Graves disease, which some of y'all might know, is this is hyperthyroidism of autoimmune cause. Um, another autoimmune thyroid condition that's much more common is Hashimoto's. That's hypothyroidism. Mm. Yeah. Hyperthyroidism, quite rare. As, as I'm realizing, this is what I have, by the way, it came out that you know, my mom, I knew she had some thyroid things, but you don't think to ask this as a, as a kid until it happens to you. But my mom, two aunts, my grandma, several great aunts, I think we counted seven women who had graves, thyroid nodules, or some kind of thyroid dysfunction. So the genes, the genetic load and burden was high. This was something that I you know, wasn't aware of. And had the neurologist checked for thyroid antibodies instead of just THA, TSH, T3 and T4, they probably would have been elevated. That would have been the clue the year before, and it probably could have been addressed. But, you know, too little too late. I, I, I had a total thyroidectomy, which means they removed my entire thyroid. I, I now am dependent every morning on a T3, T4 medication to replace the thyroid hormone that should be in my body. And at the peak of this thyroid storm, I'm getting to the skin part, I broke out into 
I mean, the word hive, I don't even like because it, it it's, it's it doesn't insufficient. Even describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I hate, I personally have an issue with the word itch. <laughs> like I think that we need a better, you know, English word. It, I guess magically they say pruritus, but I had angioedema and hive lesions from head wow. to toe. As you know me, Alex, you wouldn't, I was unrecognizable. My my mother flew out from the East Coast to the West Coast. I was literally on disability and she cared for me for, for five months. So I, I was yeah. trying to figure out, you know, what the heck? And like a good old scientist, I go, I go to PubMed and I'm searching like Graves disease and hives or thyroid and hives and this is before I had received the diagnosis. The diagnosis, by the way, is called chronic urticaria, which I never learned in school. It means you have hives over the majority of your body from for every day for six weeks at least, at least. And so mine lasted, you know, five months. But wow. it this disease, as I learn more about it, it has a, I mean, I'll just say it like has a high suicide rate, like the quality of life. Sure. Awful. I was in pain at all times. The, the, so what I found though in PubMed and the initial doctor, I mentioned this to like poo pooed it. I saw a study that linked Hashimoto's with urticaria. And just because something isn't published doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means someone didn't write it up and publish it. So my, the, my second allergist, who is a lifesaver, he absolutely said Graves' disease was the trigger. It, it was the autoimmune, sure. you know, floodgates. And yeah. so for me, like, I will say any vanity that I had was, was quickly removed during that kind of gruesome period. And I, I was very isolated. So it's not like I was out in the world. But I do remember... When I finally started to heal from the thyroid surgery and all the symptoms and blood work was getting back to to normal, but I still had like a considerable number of hive lesions, but I, I was starting to get better. Thanks in part only to a miracle drug that, that came out a few years ago called Zolaire, but that's an injection you get. So I, I remember emerging from my apartment and going to the gym. This is in Orange County, California, mind you, where like beautiful people are like everywhere, everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I have like this big scar on my neck that's still healing and hive lesions on my arms and my neck and uh, none on my face that day, I remember. And I was just like, my Graves disease eats up your, not just your fat, but your muscles and your bones. So I was just on the treadmill trying to walk, just to walk again and start to build muscle. And I was listening to see the song, I'm Alive. And if you listen to the lyrics, I mean, it really struck me. This was on a mix, so it's probably, you know, a divine thing that happened. But it, it says something to the effect of like, you took it all or you like you tried to take it all, but I'm alive. And then she, of yeah. course, like, of course, as she repeats that with gusto and passion. I, I mean, not to get too emotional, but like I, I was walking on a treadmill in public with beautiful people around me with just like tears streaming down my face. Sure. You know, I was... I made it. (laughs) I survived. And I did not care what people thought about like hives or a scar or anything. So 
I have some gratefulness for that absolute turning point in my health and life. And I would say gratefulness pervades my 30s with my skin being healed, you know, in remission, so to speak, from chronic urticaria, not having to wake up to painful hives and swelling and yeah. to, so like, yeah, my, my little bit of milia and my, <laughs> my little bit of unevenness. Sure. I, I'm like, I'm pretty low maintenance. And so again, back to gratefulness probably as part of my beauty philosophy. I mean, that's something that we actually talk about quite a bit here is the idea of just being grateful for your skin as an organ and like its essential function as an organ. And, you know, one of its essential functions is to alert you when something is going wrong internally. Exactly. And so it wasn't like something was wrong with my skin, you know, my poor skin. It was just out warning, warning. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so like, I think one of the biggest mindset shifts that I had with my skin and like my journey with beauty was this idea of like, if something is wrong with my skin that day, it's not because my skin is bad or my skin is doing its, it, it, it you know, its job wrong. It's literally doing what skin is supposed to do. It's alerting you to something is off internally. And I think that like once I made that mindset shift and once I said like, no, my my skin is doing its job every day. I wake up and my skin is doing its job every day because it is telling me what's happening inside of me. It's just, it changed the way I treated my skin. And, yes. and so that's, that's why I think your story just like resonates so deeply because you know, your skin was this outward manifestation of what was happening internally. And it was telling you, you know, like things aren't okay, you know? And I, and to hear that you were able to, you know, come out of that experience with gratitude for your skin is just so beautiful. And it really just gets at the crux of why beauty isn't vanity. It's, it's, it's literally health. Well, and isn't it, I was thinking about this recently when you say skin is an organ, which it absolutely is. And like the gut is not just a tube and your skin is not just a covering, but isn't it a challenging organ in the society we exist in? I mean, I'd say things are getting a little better, but the the airbrush days are still around yes. us yes. everywhere. And, and it's like, think of other organs. No one's like, mm, look at that sexy heart. Like, you know, no. or, yeah. Like, Nobody like picks, you know, your, your other organs and picks them apart and like talks about them in this way, you know, and like, because it is an outward facing organ, we, you know, I say this quite a bit, we view it as a means to an end instead of what it is and what its purpose is. And when we view something as a means to its end, we use it and we abuse it and we we treat it poorly, even if we don't think we're treating it poorly. And so yeah, it, just because it's superficially placed, literally yeah. doesn't mean it should be treated with superficiality like that. Exactly. That I, yeah. It was something I was talking about with Jason and recently on the Mind Body Green podcast. And I, I said something to the effect of like, you know, beauty is an eye of the beholder. Like I kind of disagree with that unless you're the beholder, like you do you just because skin is on the outside doesn't mean, you know, we need society or whoever to define or or to comment. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do you and, and what is healthy for for you. Exactly. Well, now that we just had a really 
gorgeous uh, philosophy conversation about beauty, which is my favorite thing to do, mind you. Let's go ahead and get into beauty supplements and the beauty supplement market. This is such an exploding market from from what I can tell as a beauty editor. You know, I've been in this industry and been in media and been in in the beauty industry for, for several years now. And I have never seen the market so saturated with beauty supplements and, you know, people trying to get into the beauty supplement game. When I first started as a beauty editor, it was all about topical, 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 topicals. You know, that's all we talked about. It was weird if you wrote a story and you mentioned a beauty supplement, it just like was not in our, it it just like wasn't in our lexicon. It wasn't in our thought process. It, it it just wasn't a part of the conversation. And Mm -hmm. now it is, so a part of the conversation, beauty brands right and left are coming out with supplements. Supplement brands are trying to get into the beauty market, you know? So it's, what I'm trying to say is it's, it's huge. And when a market explodes in the way that it has, that usually means that there might be less than ideal practices happening just because, you know, it's new. A lot of people are trying to get in. It's just, you know, it, it becomes a breeding ground for bad behavior. And so, you know, I, I'm curious because as somebody who has such high standards as you, I'm curious about your take right now on the beauty supplement market. What are you seeing? What makes you raise your eyebrows? What do you like? You know, just kind of give me a lay of the land of the beauty supplement market. Sure. Well, you know, I think that if you back up to supplements in general, they have grown in popularity and use, you know, consistently over the past decade, but definitely in the past year plus, there was kind of a renaissance, you know, if you will, for, well, the obvious ones like C, D, and zinc because of what we're going through, but also just more broadly, like, hey, let's get back to the important things, the basics. When when the past year and a half and involved like, dare I say, survival mindset. Mm-hmm. And some, mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, I think this is translated into more, more nurture and more love across different aspects of our life, including our, our skin. So that means the expectation for more natural beauty option and maybe, you know, from the root approach from the inside out, these, these oral strategies, I I've seen more interest and more, more options for sure. And, you know, just like the cosmetic topical, what have you aisle that I find genuinely overwhelming. Can, 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 <laughs> to be uh, fair, I kind of find it overwhelming too. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, just how that can have the range of from premium ingredients down to, you know, you don't want to buy that. The same mix exists in the supplement world. And, you know, I, I'd like to bust the myth that supplements are not regulated or that supplements are the wild, wild west. I mean, if I was the nutrition police, that would be an esteemed title. And I'd like to knock out the few brands that, you know, aren't playing by the highest of standards. The majority are. In terms of beauty supplements specifically, I think that some of the issues I have are there are a lot of nebulous blends out there. So when you turn your product over, it might, it looks real sexy on the front, like turn it over to the box, supplement facts panel, 
And if it doesn't break down each ingredient and tell you like the source. So, you know, an example would be if it, if there's a botanical extract, it should be telling you from what part of that plant, you know, the leaf or the seeds or whatnot, the root and the milligram microgram. I mean, microgram, you're only going to see for things like biotin, B12, microgram MCG, like that is, that's going to be rare. We're, we're working in the milligram space for beauty ingredients. Think of like astaxanthin, CoQ10, pomegranate, ceramicides, these phytoceramide ingredients, you know, pycnogenol, et cetera, milligram. And then for collagen, gram. I mean, mm-hmm. now we're times a thousand again, a gram dose is, and not one gram, like like 10 grams plus, you know, our collagen product has 17.7 grams of collagen peptides as an example. But if you see a blend, there's no ingredient breakdown with the microgram or the milligram or the gram. It's just an overall blend total. So what does that tell me? I mean, for one, that's just like lazy labeling. And two, it can be a breeding ground for, I, I like to call it name dropping, and, or another term is fairy dusting. So yeah. I mean, they have sprinkled or dusted certain ingredients you might want to name drop because they are premium sounding. So like, you know, CoQ10 in the ubiquinol form, expensive. You know, phytoceramides, astaxanthin, pomegranate, like a lot of beauty ingredients, expensive. And especially if they're included at the clinically studied doses. And when I say clinically studied, I mean... Like I live in PubMed, this is what my PhD prepared me for. And I read nerdy studies and digest them. And I look at the totality of the science. And that's how, for instance, we landed on six milligrams of astaxanthin in our Cellular Beauty Plus product. That's not random. There's enough clinical studies, like uh, I'm not going to guess off the top of my head, but like, I don't know, at least seven, I I would guess. And they... Some are as low as two, three milligrams, but I kept seeing six, six, six milligrams. And so I'm like, this is the dose that I think is the most robust studied and, you know, researched in humans. Like, let's mimic that to elicit the same skin benefits in this supplement. So I would say watch out for blends. And then if they don't have a blend and they do break down the ingredients and the milligram amounts, look out for the fairy dusting and the name dropping? Are they just dropping in that? I mean, this happens not just in beauty supplements. Like I've seen multivitamins that will drop in literally irrelevant, negligible amounts of lycopene and lutein, these carotenoids, you know, astaxanthin is a carotenoid as well. These are expensive plant derived ingredients. And, and, you know, it's just like being a poser and trying to associate yourself with like, (laughs) when my mom and I were in Boston a few years ago, we saw Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard in the restaurant. Well, I don't go around saying they're my friends. Like I just saw them. So, you know, let's Mm -hmm. not pretend supplements that you have enough lutein or astaxanthin to to mention it in your label. So that fairy dusting, I'd say number one, you know, issue. Yeah, that's so interesting because that happens in topicals too, all of the time. Because, you know, topical beauty products, cosmetic products 
are truly not regulated by the FDA. Like when when you talk about, you know, supplements being regulated by the FDA, like that that is true. There's like, you know, there's standards that have to be held, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at what the FDA has legally, like what they're uh, allowed to regulate in cosmetic spaces, yeah. in like legal bills, it's like literally one page long. Like they they do not have wow. like governing power over cosmetics. It's crazy wild, wild west actually. And so beauty companies get away with this. They'll be like, oh, this is a vitamin C serum. And it, one, may not have a vitamin C in it that is stable and thus effective. And you have no way of knowing at to what percentage it is formulated. So that happens all of the time in topicals. So it's so interesting to see that that bad behavior happens on the supplement side as well. Yeah, I I would say, and you know, honestly, there's, that's not true. I was going to say there's no regulation that you have to include the science-backed dose. Technically, the FDA, well, so the FTC says all claims need to be truthful and not misleading and substantiated. And then the FDA says similarly, well, the FDA has loads of laws that apply to, to uh, supplements from Deshay and Falkpa, which are labeling and allergen laws. To, but like, yeah, the concept is your claims. So if you're going to drop in some fairy dust level of astaxanthin, we'll, we'll go ahead and say, I don't know, I'll be liberal here and say 1.5 milligrams or less. That's fairy dusting for astaxanthin and skin. Like there is the possibility that the FDA could say, hey, like, can you show us your substantiation on that? Sure. And they wouldn't be able to because I know the clinical trials on astaxanthin. They're not at 1.5 or less. They're, as we just talked about it, three and six milligrams. So I think there's some self, self uh, regulating that has to occur because, you know, the regulating bodies in this country are dealing with things like global <laughs> pandemics. Sure. They're, they're overwhelmed yeah. with <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, you know, getting to the ones that are really, really not playing as they should be. So, but customers, you know, I think clean plant-based are, are things to look for. Can, can the product, you know, clearly break down the things that they are free of. So at Mind Body Green, we have this thing called a no list and you'll find it on our supplements shop page and on every individual product page. And you'll see the details and why, what our philosophy is around those, but you know, GMO free, gluten free, major allergen, food allergen free. The list goes on and on regarding binders and preservatives and coatings and shellacs and things like uh, sweeteners and colorants. So I think the more transparent the brand on making these, you know, putting, drawing a line in the sand, really, like we, we like to draw our lines in the sand and our ingredient suppliers and manufacturers sometimes find me to be annoying. And I was telling Jason the other day, I was like, maybe that's a badge of honor because, because <laughs> I, I asked for the documents. I require the documents to back up these premium characteristics of every ingredient, not just from the actives, but the excipients. Okay, so excipient, we say this a few times in the episode, so I'm going to take a second and define it here. Excipients are the ingredients that are under the other ingredient label on your supplement package. 
So basically just flip over your bottle, look for other ingredients, and anything that falls under those are your excipients. These are essentially non-active players in the supplement. And what I mean by that is they don't offer the skin any benefit, but they are needed in the supplement for other reasons, whether it be functionality, taste, or even things like aesthetics. Less than ideal ones are artificial sweeteners, synthetic colors, or dyes. So, you know, a prime example is going to be silica. Like we have sure. some products where we get our silica from bamboo extract, which is a great plant-based source. Leucine, which is an amino acid used to help. It's an excipient, but a totally safe and healthy one used to help get the, imagine a capsule has powder in it, every little capsule, and that has two pieces to it. Well, you have to have some leucine in there to help basically that powder move through the machine with good flow and, sure. and to get into the capsule that we want to make sure, you know, all the ingredients get, get into each and every capsule. Well, that leucine, as I'm talking to the manufacturers, I just want to, hey, just want to make sure that's, you know, vegan because this entire product is is vegan. We were, by the way, this was Cellular Beauty Plus. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, no, this source that we were going to include comes from duck feathers. And, and I was like, excuse me now, like, that's sure. not going to work. And no, not only I just got a DM the other day, somebody asking me if it was vegan and I was proud right? to say you bet it is. <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, no duck feathers. It turns no. out and like nothing against, like, let's be clear. These are like purified sources in our industry that duck feathers, the other one was a little grosser. It was human hair. So long story right. short, I was like, yeah. no, we need the plant-based version. And we did, we got a plant-based fermentation source that's vegan leucine and and allowing the entire formula thus to be plant-friendly and vegan-friendly. So I think details are your friend and, you know, go with a brand who you trust and who can help answer your questions. Like we're here for you at MindBodyGreen. We we love to answer your questions. Yes, we do. And I know that you, you field a lot of questions. So (laughs) sometimes sometimes y'all are passionate. Vegan collagen, for instance, we have some people very passionate about why is your collagen vegan? And so, you know, there's no such thing as vegan collagen. Maybe we'll talk about that more later. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, that kind of moves into what I want to talk about next. It's kind of the core of the discussion, ingredients. You can't have a conversation about supplements without doing a deep dive into, you know, what actually works for your skin. We you know, like I said, when you look at the market, it is a huge, robust market of beauty supplements. And there are so many out there and there are so many ingredients to kind of cipher through to to figure out what, what you actually need for your skin and what is going to give you the results and what is effective. And so I'm curious, what are some of your favorites? You You do all the research and you, like you said, you know, you live in PubMed. So yeah. I, I, I'm curious what, what, what excites you. Well, so in, in creating Cellular Beauty Plus, I mean, I was in, in the weeds, so to speak, and we created, I think, <laughs> the best, you know, from the inside out beauty supplement on the market. It's these four ingredients. It's going to be CoQ10 in the ubiquinol form, astaxanthin derived from sustainable green algae, a pomegranate whole fruit, whole fruit extract. And then the ceramides, the phytoceramides. So I will come back to those in more detail, but like I was able to focus on those plant-based ingredients 
because we already had beauty and gut collagen plus, you know, had, had we not had that product, I would have been a little, you know, confused and not able to be as focused in this capsule product. So the reason I say that is beauty and gut collagen is like this daily foundational base of these skin essentials. So we have the type one, type three, grass-fed, pasture-raised collagen peptides, 17.7 grams. So we're not messing around here with, you know, dose. This is a, this is a meaningful dose. And, but then as I tell, I get asked questions, you know, by family, friends, strangers, once they figure out I'm a dietitian. and collagen is a, a rising question for me in popularity. And they are like, what collagen do you recommend? And they'll say, I got this one from Costco or whatnot. And I'm like, that's a fine collagen, but like, that's literally just bovine collagen peptides. Mind Body Green is like this unicorn, the beauty and gut collagen. It is, yes, the grass-fed, pasture-raised, bovine collagen peptides, but seven more ingredients. So we have hyaluronic acid, L-glutamine, vitamin C and E, biotin, a turmeric root extract, which is 95% curcuminoids. Think of curcumin. And then also broccoli seed extract delivering this uh, powerhouse phytochemical known as sulforaphane glucosinolate. Mm-hmm. These, this is an eight ingredient formula. So like, it's almost sad to compare it next to just a standalone collagen. <laughs> not fair. So so because of that beauty and gut collagen base, you know, real quickly, vitamin C and E, these essential ones, water soluble, ones fat soluble, but these essential vitamins we need daily, they are involved at the, you know, boots on the ground collagen mm-hmm. production synthesis, cross-linking this collagen, beautiful triple helix protein molecule that is like tough as nails. It's literally <laughs> designed for strength, but C and E are critical in the synthesis of that. And then therefore yeah. like the health of your collagen and, you know, vitamin C was not just a concern of sailors 200 years ago at scurvy. <laughs> like, C and E are known nutrient gaps in the American diet. Thanks to, you know, NHANES statistics. So, and, and thanks to us, like not eating enough, enough fruits and vegetables and healthy oils and such. So um, and you, you truly need them in the collagen synthesis process. Yeah. And what I love about, our formula and how it has C and E is, you know, because one is water soluble and one is, you know, lipid soluble, they work together in the cell to kind of like power each other up too, which I just find so fascinating. Vitamin C comes up a lot when you, when you have the collagen conversation, but vitamin C can't really do its job without its partner, vitamin E. And I just think it's so cool that ours has like that thoughtfulness go into it. I agree. And I mean, like hyaluronic acid, come on, that's extremely premium to have that alongside collagen. And I mean, it's in, it's a scoop. Oh, and mind you, speaking of excipients, unflavored beauty and gut collagen has no other ingredients, none at all. And then the chocolate variety is simply organic cocoa and organic monk fruit extract. And so like less is more there on our formula. That was very intentional. And we, we find that people, I mean, I, I enjoy it in coffee. What, what do you use it in? Yeah. I mean, I love mine in coffee. It also, if you just like mix it with a little bit of milk, it tastes like chocolate milk. 
There you go. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> I mean, I've heard smoothies, of course, and it's it's just this like a regimen, I think a ritual, mind you, ritual is better than regimen, you know, <laughs> to look yeah. forward to. So because we had that base though, I was able to really focus on this capsule concentrated botanical product um, of Cellular Beauty Plus. So, I mean, you want to talk more about collagen or go more into Cellular Beauty Plus? So yeah, I was going to ask, you know, we've talked, we've highlighted some of my favorite skincare ingredients that are in our collagen, but because Cellular Beauty is, you know, our, our newest beauty supplement that is on the market. And it's also one that we reformulated. And so, you know, we have some new ingredients in here. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I'm sure our listeners are, are curious about these new ingredients and why we chose them. So let's do a little bit of a deep dive. Why don't we start with CoQ10? I think that this is an ingredient that excites me in the topical space. So I am very curious about how it works internally. Yeah. So I, I agree. I'm excited about CoQ10. And I, I had to like get over the fact that CoQ10 has been pigeonholed a bit in the heart health space mm-hmm. and say, well, that doesn't matter because here's compelling evidence. And it's this powerhouse cellular energy producer and antioxidant, like, like a, basically a master of oxidant balance in every cell in our body. And then there are clinical studies on skin outcomes. So I, I thought, well, you know, I can't let the market bias me. Like we're putting it in. We have to put this in cellular beauty. So we not only included CoQ10 at 100 milligrams, but we went with the most premium bioactive form, which is ubiquinol. So I will tell you the, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to go with 90. It might be 95% easily of CoQ10 supplements are in the ubiquinone format. Ubiquinone is not the active form. It has to be there's like another step. It has to be activated. So we are giving you the most active form. It's actually the most, you know, studied form of ubic uh, of CoQ10 rather. And ubiquinol, this particular ingredient from Konica has over a dozen patents. So this is true technology. It's all natural yeast fermented and derived. And not only is it more bioactive because ubiquinol is the form of CoQ10 in your body that is required for cellular energy, you know, producing ATP from the foods we eat. And it's also the form that is that master oxidant balancer. More than that, Konica ubiquinol has done clinicals and it's shown that it's more absorbable, more absorbable than conventional ubiquinone CoQ10. So, you know, when it comes to optimizing the design of your supplement, we want to give want to give people, we don't want waste. We want to optimize your levels of CoQ10 so it can do these like impressive functions throughout every cell of your body. And, and so some of what I mentioned, the antioxidant and cellular energy, but there are clinicals that show now CoQ10 can support the elasticity and the texture, the smoothness of your skin while combating wrinkles, you know, so like, mm-hmm. that's all part of part of the mix. But one of the things that CoQ10, and it's, it's like, you know, the term is out there, but some people might not know it, autophagy. So yeah. auto and a G F P H A G Y. This, I like to think of autophagy as like, 
spring cleaning, but instead of just in the spring, this is your cellular housekeeping on the daily. And don't assume that it's just happening. Like, don't take this for granted. We, we are learning now in real time things like, you know, eating less, you know, concentrating your eating into, say, 10 hours a day. So intermittent fasting, fruits and vegetables. I've seen a study on herbal teas that these things are helping promote autophagy. Well, guess what? CoQ10 is critical for this autophagy. And what it is, is there are going to be your cells are working hard, including those of your skin and your hair and your nails. <laughs> and there will be, you know, if you think of like, they're going to battle for us or what, whatnot, they're going to have some wear and tear. These dysfunctional or worn components need to be degraded or recycled. And this renewal needs to occur often. So CoQ10 is part of that. The, I mean, an, another ingredient that also contributes to that kind of cellular detox and, and cleanup is going to be pomegranate. So we also included pomegranate in this product. Do you want to talk more about yeah, that? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this pomegranate. I, this is another ingredient. I, I keep on saying that all these ingredients excite me, and <laughs> but they do. I am biased, yeah, sure, but I do think they are all great. But you know, again, this is also an ingredient that is is popular topically. It shows up in a lot of formulas, and so you know, to see it being used orally as a supplement is, I think, really really cool. And I know that ours, it's. It, it comes from, you know, from California. It has like a really beautiful backstory. Yeah. I, I, it, I think it sounds very exciting. Please tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. I love that synergy between the topical and, and the supplement. And then, you know, we'll go ahead and say dietary. Y'all keep eating your pomegranates. They're, they're <laughs> beautiful and delicious fruits. So we'll hit it from all angles. But yeah, this is included at 200 milligrams. This, this ingredient is 100% pomegranate whole fruit extract. So we have traceability from the California orchard all the way to the finished product, the capsule you're putting in your mouth. So this is a native extract. It's pomegranate is high in polyphenols, but because this mm -hmm. is a concentrated extract, I mean, you're concentrating the polyphenols. So this is, this ingredient is over 60% polyphenol content. Elagic acid is one of the, the famous pomegranate specific polyphenols that you will find. And, you know, there's the whole fruit. There's something about like a whole fruit synergy and the power leveraging what the plant, you know, how the plant was designed. I, we, that's how I approach like hemp, which is not in this product, but, you know, full spectrum hemp is like how the, how nature designed it, the whole plant. So that's what we're going for here in the pomegranate, the whole fruit. And in terms of its roles, so this Cellular detox, like it's a master antioxidant in terms of combating oxidative stress and, and not just combating it, but like increasing your antioxidant capacity, if you will, like almost raising your antioxidant bar <laughs> to be ready. Because let's be real, oxidative stress is not something we will ever avoid. Like this is sure. This is yeah. fun, it's this is stress, this is environment, this is exercise. I mean, good and bad things cause oxidative stress. <laughs> well, yeah. And your body just does it naturally through it's like metabolic Cellular process. Reactions. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, oxidative stress gets like a bad rap, but 
your it means your cells are working hard. I mean, honestly, if if it is chronic and, and excessive, sure. then oxidative stress and inflammation are, are not normal, but we're talking about, you know, normal. So that means if you're increasing your antioxidant capacity, that means you're more resilient, your cells, your skin, your hair, your nails, you know, your beauty centric cells. And, and pomegranate is helping with that. In fact, we talked about autophagy. Pomegranate, the metabolites that come, so you eat the pomegranate extract, it interacts with your gut. There are certain metabolites called urolithins that naturally are going to be produced. And urolithins have been shown to support mitophagy, which is autophagy, but for the mitochondria specifically. Oh, cool. So the, yeah. So the health and recycling of, you know, these components that need some cleanup in the mitochondria, which we all know are the energy powerhouse organelles. So the last the last piece I'll mention about pomegranate, because this is a cool word that it's not widely used yet, but if you combine like anti-aging, which is not a term I love, but if you can if you combine that with inflammation, so anti-inflammaging is discussed in the pomegranate science space because pomegranate has been shown clinically in human studies, it can reduce inflammatory biomarkers. So think of like C-reactive protein and interleukin-6. And what that means is it's helping support a healthy inflammatory response. And in turn, you know, anything that tempers inflammation is going to be, you know, promoting healthy aging. So absolutely, we talk about inflammation all the time in our beauty content. It is, you know, it's the number one cause of premature aging. Yep. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of out of control in epidemic proportions in our country and contributes sure. to all kinds of dysfunction. So yeah, we, we want to turn the fire down when we can. Absolutely. Two other ingredients that uh, am, I have, you know, known for quite a while because they were in our, in our supplement, azoxanthin and phytosteramides. Why don't we start with azoxanthin and then, you know, we can, we can roll into the last one. Yeah, definitely. So Astaxanthin, you know, we doubled the dose. So we're at six milligrams now in Cellular Beauty Plus. That 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 is a change from the last iteration of this product. That's that's very competitive dose in the market, people will find. So astaxanthin, it's a carotenoid. So you think of like eat carrots for your eye health. Well, that's beta carotene, vitamin A. This is astaxanthin, another carotenoid or phytochemical, a pigment. And it's made by algae. So these are the same algae that you're you know, salmon eat and get incorporated into their beautiful pink, you know, salmon filet flesh. Also shrimp, crabs, crayfish, lobsters, etc. So that's all that. the pink ones. All the pink. <laughs> pink, my favorite color. So I love me some Asta. Well, we went with Astoreal. This Astoreal astaxanthin specifically is from H. pluvialis, a freshwater green algae that sustainably produces natural astaxanthin. And this brand of this ingredient, Astoreal, it's the most studied brand of astaxanthin in the world. They have clinical trial evidence supporting you know, safety and efficacy. And we know what from cultivation to extraction to, you know, in the product, we again, traceability. So in terms of astaxanthin, let's talk about, like we mentioned salmon. So let's like bust the myth that you can go love me some sushi, but like, I'm not going to go get enough astaxanthin from eating my two servings of 
oily fish a week or my, you know, sushi every, every once in a while. I wish I got out more. It's more of a pandemic. But anyways, <laughs> so the bus, the busting of the myth here is oftentimes we think about like regular nutrients. So vitamin D in terms of, Hey, there's not enough of that in food to get it in meaningful amounts. So I need a supplement, but these phytonutrients, we don't normally think about them like, like a traditional nutrient. And, and we should. The reason why is there's European data and Alex wrote on this recently on the website and beautifully. So there's European data from EFSA and U.S. data from the FDA. And, and they analyze, like salmon, a wide variety of species and quantify how many you know, milligrams are in each filet at a standardized gram amount of filet. Well, what that nets out is that we know you would need to eat 12 salmon fillets a yeah. day to get sick. It's like 11 to 12, but yeah, 11 to 12 salmon fillets a day to get six milligrams of astaxanthin. So that's nonsense. And that's too much, arguably. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my uh, that's too pricey. Like, yeah. we'll, I mean, more. literally your whole day would just be like sitting around and eating yeah. salmon, <laughs> which yeah, I mean, I don't know, rough life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So another, another like, FYI, people might not might not know is that the if you're not eating wild salmon and mm-hmm. you're eating farmed salmon, and in fact most of our salmon at the sushi bars is from farmed salmon, that is not natural astaxanthin. Most likely, the bulk of uh, farm salmon is going to be consuming synthetic astaxanthin. It's just cheaper, you know, to put sure. to the feed. And the difference there, it's not like natural versus fake so much as synthetic astaxanthin is not bioidentical to um, the real stuff. And so and it's we, not we as want, bioavailable. Yeah. We want the real chemical. Well, the real astaxanthin, please stand up. Like, yeah, we have it in Cellular Beauty Plus. In terms of what it's doing, like we know it's this potent antioxidant, but in terms of photoprotection and also mm-hmm. anti-inflammation, we know it's photoprotective, so from UV damage, and then it's been clinically shown to reduce inflammatory markers like interleukin alpha. And then in these skin clinicals that, hey guys, like when there's a systematic review of clinicals, you know there's clinical evidence on, on an ingredient. Like I hate how collagen gets knocked all the time as being hype and not having evidence. Like there are, go into PubMed, I'm there all the time. There are like, more, more trials than we can write about, clinical trials, randomized controlled trials on, on collagen and same in, on astaxanthin. So collectively, we know from those clinicals that it's been shown to improve the moisturization, the hydration of your skin. So mm. less dry, more elastic. It's been shown to improve smoothness in the texture realm. And it's been shown to reduce not only wrinkles, but age spots as well. To kind of round it out, you were just mentioning hydration. Yes. We have the phytoceramides. And what I love personally about the addition of the phytoceramides, it's because, you know, the other the other ingredients are doing so much with inflammation. They're doing so much with their antioxidants properties, doing so much at the cellular level there. I love the phytoceramides because it comes in and it acts as like almost this like barrier cushion. And it just, it really rounds out the product in a really beautiful way. The thing that I probably write and talk about the most 
here at Mind Body Green and also probably in my personal life is barrier protection, skin barrier protection. It is the thing that I care most about in basically all of my work. And that's what we're getting here with the ceramides is that barrier protection, that barrier support. So I want to talk about these a little bit more. Will you help explain it? Yes. So ceramides, and then when we say phytoceramides, we just mean ceramides from plant. And, and in this case, you know, these, these are plant lipid bioactives. And I like the point you made that of the four ingredients, this one really is like playing in the structural mm-hmm. space of the skin, like the matrix of the skin's lipid framework or network. And so the um, epidermis you know, being the outermost layer of skin and this barrier function, as you mentioned, just being, again, skin is an organ, skin is our first barrier, like it's critical. And it's not only protecting the skin from a variety of stressors throughout the day, but, you know, we have to protect the outermost from the inside out. And because we know ceramides decrease with age, the, we, you know, we want to nurture what we have and we want to smart supplement where where we can help preempt, you know, be proactive about the losses that are to come. So this oral supplement oral supplementation with these phytoceramides helps the skin to support this daily barrier function. And our ceramides are from France. It's a very premium ingredient known as ceramicides that has two clinical trials to boot. And so not only is it safe, but it's efficacious in terms of it's been shown to improve skin hydration and moisture, elasticity, but also reduce the water loss, that mm. trans-epidermal water loss, again, holding up that barrier, and ultimately contributing to improvement of wrinkles. So these, these clinicals have been shown, you know, effects as soon as 15 days, and then, and then of course, like, beyond. Sure. So, yeah, this is like, think of this as the backbone of your skin's lipid membrane. And we absolutely need this building block. And so I'm so glad it is in Cellular Beauty Plus. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was a good overview of Cellular Beauty. You know, we talked a little bit at the beginning of this conversation about a lot of the stuff that goes into our beauty and gut collagen. Um And, you know, so I think we kind of hit all of the major points there. But one thing you were talking about with collagen that I just want to kind of circle back to just because it's Mm -hmm. it's something that gets on my nerves as well is, you know, this idea that collagen is just hype. It doesn't really work. This kind of like pervasive myth that for some reason still keeps on popping up in the beauty and wellness space. And I, I think it's, (laughs) yeah, I, it, it, it it really frustrates me. And oh my God, it just, it makes me want to scream every time I see this. And I'm, I'm just going to bring it up here because I'm sure you'll have thoughts too, is I see this all the time in beauty stories. They'll be writing about collagen supplements and they'll say, you know, collagen doesn't work because, you know, the molecule is too large. Your body can't absorb it. And even if it could absorb it, it's not making it all the way to your dermal layer because that's not how your body works. Like the things you eat don't make it to your dermal layer. That's too far out. Yeah. It's It goes to other organs. That's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what we are saying happens, right? Like one- No, I'm 
I'm like visually holding out a bucket and that's bad science and you can throw that in the bucket. The bad yes. Science. And I see it all the time. I see dermatologists saying this in beauty stories. Oh, yeah. I it's mean, crazy. Nutrition is not part of medical school training. No. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, so I, like, I think there was a New York Times article in the past. Like, yes. I mean, it's... Compared- it said there was no evidence and it compared it to like activated charcoal. So it, it's fine. That writer just doesn't live in PubMed like I do. I, and let me tell you, I am the first, and Jason knows this, like in product development and innovation, I'm the first to say the evidence is not there yet. Like it needs to bake longer. No, sure. you know, like this is not one of those. And not only in the beauty space, but collagen, well-designed collagen clinical trials at, you know, multiple gram doses you know, we've seen joint comfort and mobility, mm-hmm. bone density benefits. I mean, definitely skin elasticity, smoothness, wrinkle benefits. You know, we've, Alex, you, you just y'all go on mybuddygreen.com and like do the little magnifying glass and search collagen because Alex has just written up any guide and you need to break down science. But with your um, help. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we, we nerd out together. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, let's debunk that. I mean, collagen has not only a science, but it it's really like an exciting time to to be in the collagen market because of the science that is supporting it. It's yeah. I just had to bring that up again, just because you mentioned it earlier, and it just it drives me crazy. And I just I still can't believe that I see quotes from dermatologists that basically say that. I'm just like that's just a fundamental misunderstanding of the mechanism behind collagen peptides. Like also like no one's saying that the collagen peptides that you consume makes it to your epidermis. Like I never once say that or imply that what I, what happens is they support your skin cells, fibroblasts, which then create its own collagen and elastin. Like anyway, I could, I mean, I could just like scream about this. Let me also soapbox stand for a second on that. So that, that is a like bad science bucket. Okay. So we don't eat eyeballs to help our vision. We yeah. don't eat chicken feet a dim sum to help our feet be beautiful, right? We yeah. eat constituents and compounds of, in this case, collagen, our amino acids and some dye and tripeptides that are, you know, naturally like the natural profile of collagen peptides is delivering these building blocks that absolutely where your body needs it. So whether it is gut, cartilage, bone, joint, it's, you know, like it, that those building blocks are now available. So that is not, that is not like a point of contention because there are trials that show you consume X grams of collagen and oh, you see changes in these outcomes, whether skin, joint, bone, right? So yeah, like, myth busted. Okay. So one of the biggest debates that we see in the beauty space is topical versus oral. I think a lot of people in the beauty space specifically think it of it as one or the other, you know, and they think it, we like, we need to figure out which one's better and, you know, topical has to come out on top. And I, I think it's like, it, it becomes a very silly discussion very fast. But, you know, I do think that it is worth looking at the nuances of how specific ingredients work topically versus orally, or just like why you might want to use something topically versus why you might want to use it in its 
oral form and how, how they can work together. Because, you know, so many of the ingredients that we talked about earlier today are ingredients that I mentioned that show up in topical ingredients or topical products all the time. You know, so many like, of so the things we do. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just, I, you know, I think you and I both have like a very like nuanced approach on this, which is like, hey, do them both. <laughs> right? Both, both, both is good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, you know, from my perspective, as somebody who does care about topical ingredients quite a bit and, you know, spends a lot of time researching topical ingredients is a lot of these, you know, hyaluronic acid, vitamin C and E, all the antioxidants that we mentioned, whether it's azacanthin, whether it's, you know, pomegranate whole food extract, you know, these things, when you use them topically, you have that immediate instant gratification, right? Like you put on hyaluronic acid and then, you know, you put a cream on top of it, your skin just, it feels more hydrated. You do the same with ceramides. You put a ceramide face lotion on, your skin feels more hydrated. You put on a topical antioxidant serum and, you know, within the week, your skin kind of already looks brighter or, you know, your those dark spots are starting to fade or, or, you know, whatever it is. And so you get that immediate gratification. You get that targeting effect. You You get to get specific, right? You know, you say, I have dark circles under my eyes. I'm going to put on some antioxidants because, you know, that will help or, you know, I have dry skin, so I'm going to focus on these hydrating ingredients. Whereas when you talk about these ingredients orally, you're more, this is more of your purview. It's, it's more of that like systemic, right? Right. Yeah. So you're not limited with the oral ones by like time. I mean, you think about your beauty ritual, like it has time and, and you're not limited by space. So a lot of not saying we don't put lotion everywhere, but like we're talking about our face and like neck area mostly. So the oral ingredients are going systemically and broadly throughout this, you know, wonderful organ known as our skin. And then like, of course, where hair and and nails exist. So it's a more broad approach. And I think that whether the word is synergy or like incremental comes to mind that the combination of from the inside out and then targeted approaches on the out (laughs) on the outside that that makes a whole lot of sense and I think it depends on the person and their individual goals you know price like is also a consideration like you can't sorry some of the topicals are you put you out of put you out of a you know, might be outside of the budget to do it broadly (laughs) all the time, right? Like, so we have these nutrients helping at the cellular level that, again, are providing the inside out functions and, you know, benefits. So I think that they absolutely don't need to compete, that they're complementary. Yeah, totally agree. So, we have obviously spent a lot of time talking about supplements and supplementation and these really, really cool actives that, you know, can help your skin look and feel better. But, you know, supplementations are, are supplements are just that. They're supplementations. For a broader diet, you are, this is your specialty, what people eat, how it affects them. So, you know, I'm curious what are some of the dietary choices that people should be making in regards to their skin? Obviously, you know, this could be it's a whole other episode, but 
is there anything that comes to mind just straight away of what are people putting in their body that is going to have some sort of impact on the way that they look? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear. Right? Supplements are supplementary and targeted, and there's this basal, hopefully delightful, nutrient-dense diet you know, as the foundation. So I'm sure there's beauty nutrition, like I'll have to Google it. There's probably a book called that out. So, so I don't know what people are saying, but off the top of my head, like I would say, let's talk about three things, three that that's easy to grasp hydration, less sugar and fiber. So if we just focus on those three, you know, being very intentional about about hydration from the point that you wake up, you know, until, until, not right before bed, but that might keep you up at night, but throughout the day. So hydration in terms of getting your cells, the H2O tools that it needs for like almost every cellular reaction, mind you. And, and then functionally for the hydration that our cells and its layers and the skin needs. So physical activity, of course, perspiration is, is wonderful and helpful, but like be cognizant in the summer heat of, of hydration. It's not just water. Like we've, written about this on Mind Body Green, like tea and coffee even count count towards your hydration needs. You know, the, the range is vary, but if you aim for nine to eleven cups a day, like start with that. You can be more zealous if you if you need that. Sugar, so like less is more, of course. But I when I think of sugar, I like to flip it on the positive. What should our sources of sugar be? You know, mm. colorful ones, fruits and veggies and a slow carb, so complex carbs, the whole grains, beautiful legumes, like, you know, color of the rainbow. If you look at the legumes and how beautifully colored and all these phytonutrients that color our fruits and vegetables, these are providing natural and healthy sugar sources that are not going to like a, you know, table sugar or cake is going to rise up our glucose and our insulin and, and, not help us in the long term with metabolic metabolic health and excessive glucose circulating it's not good for you know any body system and that includes our our skin and then fiber is a little redundant with the last one but i think that if we focus on there's a real fiber gap in our nation you know we we need like 25 grams plus depending on your gender and your age as an adult so we know we're not getting anywhere near that. I, I'd have to look at the current NHANES data, but the last I looked, I think it was like in the 10 gram range. And so again, we need like 30. Well, fiber, if you focus on fiber, what are you focusing on again? Coloring your plate, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, seeds, spices, um, herbs. So I, I think that it's, diet doesn't need to be so complex like, your personal taste and desire should matter. And then fiber, hydrate, and, you know, healthy carbs. You'll you'll be on your way with, with those three basics. I could get more granular and talk about healthy fats like omega-3s, but I think those three are good good to start. Like I said, we could do an entire other episode just on dietary needs for your skin, but that's a good place to start. And final question, you know, I always ask people, about their beauty routine. But for you in particular, you know, I 
I'm curious, how do supplements fit into your overall beauty routine? Right. Well, you know, those dietary principles I just mentioned are top of mind for me. I probably follow a flexitarian pattern specifically, um, trying to flex more on the plant side. But I, in terms of supplements, like high quality collagen peptide product that has these multi-ingredient helpers that Beauty and Gut Collagen Plus delivers, that's part of my daily regimen. I'm a coffee lover, so it makes its way in there. And then, yeah, Cellular Beauty Plus is, I'm, I'm super pumped. Like there's no other product that brings these four cosmeceutical ingredients together. And I'm, I'm pumped for myself and for the Mind Body Green family. So, you know, for me, this is where like science and vanity meet up. And so, so much so that it, this supplement, it deserves a place in my like daily beauty ritual. So, you know, I'll, I'll end by saying my cellular beauty plus and beauty and gut collagen, they're right there, you know, next to my face wash, serum, moisturizer, SPF, you know, mascara, blush, and lip balm. So I, I don't, I'm low maintenance, less is more. And that's the list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for one, helping formulate it. And two, for joining us today to talk about them. I loved this discussion and I'm so happy that we got to talk about a broad range of topics, not just, you know, the supplements themselves. We got to talk about, you know, beauty broadly, which was a lot of fun. So thank you. Yeah, I had a great time, you know, skincare, love for all. So thanks for having me. Hey guys, just popping back in here to say thanks for joining us this week at Clean Beauty School. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're looking for more beauty content or just wellness content in general, don't forget to check out our website, mindbodygreen.com, our Instagram, mindbodygreen, and of course, our parent podcast, the Mind Body Green Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks again. See you next week.